Hello, my name is Tom Boone. And I'm Joanna Bailey. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Simple Flying Podcast, where usually we give you all a lowdown on the week's aviation news. But today we've got something a little different. Today on the podcast, we have a very special guest, Captain Chris Pohl, one of Virgin Atlantic's most senior pilots and a training captain on one of my favourite aircraft, the Virgin A350. In fact, Captain Chris had the pleasure of flying the inaugural London to New York service with this beautiful aircraft when it entered the fleet. Captain Chris has flown for more than 39 years, clocking up the equivalent of 24,000 hours, which is 1,000 days in the sky. But just as important as what he does in the air is what he's doing on the ground. Captain Chris is one of the most followed pilots on social media, having gone viral for a tweet about toilet roll. We're going to talk to Captain Chris today about his passion for aviation, his love of Virgin Atlantic and his survivor's guilt following the crisis of 2020. It's a pleasure to have you here. Welcome to the show, Chris. And thank you very much, Joanna and Thomas. Really, really nice to meet you. It is. It's a pleasure to have you on. Um, So to kick off, um, we want you to tell us a bit about yourself. Um, Where did this love for aviation come from and how's your career evolved over the past 39 years? Um, It started, we all start somewhere. And uh, I was that 12-year-old boy who didn't know he was actually interested in aviation until my father pushed me into the cockpit of a 727 on a family holiday. It was the first time I'd ever been on board an aeroplane. So I was a little bit excited, but my dad said to the flight attendant, oh, can my son see the flight deck as he pushed me in there? Um, Before I knew it, I was strapped behind the captain in the jump seat, not knowing what a jump seat was. There was a chap to my right who was obviously the flight engineer, captain and first officer. And halfway down that runway, I can't remember much more than that. I just thought, this is what I want to do. I want to do this for a job. And so then it was a a matter of trying to find a way of doing that. I I don't have wealthy parents. So I did um, two or three paper rounds after school. I worked at supermarkets on Friday nights, Saturday nights. My father's a builder. And um, so I worked on building sites with my father and uncles and basically got some money together for flying lessons. And and I could bore you with that story a lot. But basically, I... I ended up at 18 years of age um, doing my commercial pilot's license. By 19, I was um, out scratching around for work, but I looked like a 19-year-old pilot, and nobody wanted to hire a 19-year-old pilot because I just looked too young. So I um, did an instructor's rating. I did a lot of instructing. I then uh, flew out of Moorabbin Airport and later on Coolangatta um, doing all sorts of um, charter flying. I flew uh, news crews. I did night freight. I did target towing for the uh, Royal Australian Navy with live targets behind the aircraft that they shot at. Wow. <laughs> um, I, I flew tourists around the Barrier Reef. I did instructing and uh, lots of flying. And I even uh, flew uh, dead people. That's another story. I flew. Um, I used to work for a funeral, a funeral directors repatriating bodies around Australia. But I was doing anything for flying hours. And that's mm. how a young pilot starts. You know, hours are hours are hours. And then I and, and anything uh, precious twin flying is, is important. So in Australia, I clocked up uh, two and a half thousand hours of general aviation flying in just about every aircraft that Cessna, Piper or Beechcraft built, even flying the uh, the dangerous or deadly Mitsubishi MU2. You know, <laughs> at an age of 19 years of old, I didn't know how dangerous it was. <laughs> and then, uh, so after about two and a half thousand hours, I was uh, I went for an interview with um, two of the major airlines, Ansett Airlines and Qantas. Everybody knows Qantas. Yeah. Um, Qantas, they both offered me a job. Qantas offered me second officer. But at the time, it was looking at um, 10 to 12 years as a second officer before an upgrade to first officer. Mm. And wow. as a young pilot who's only... 22, 23 years old, I'm thinking, well, that's forever. That's like yeah. <laughs> old. Whereas Ansett was off- offering me an immediate start on uh, the old Fokker F-27, flying up and down the, the uh, east coast of Australia over the, the lovely tourist resorts, and I thought that was more appealing. I took that job, 
Um, within two years, I was flying a, a brand new A320 as launch customer in 1989. Wow. Uh, when, it first, when it first came out. But that same year, there was a, a large industrial dispute uh, with the pilots in Australia that you may be aware of long, long time ago, before you went to school, before you maybe born. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> maybe um, for Tom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so, yeah. So, I, um, in 1989, I left Australia with my girlfriend, now wife, and we traveled to a country called England. Never been there before in my life. Um, yeah, and I, would, I got a wouldn't job. recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the two of us arrived in England. She got a job in a pub pulling beers. I got a job immediately at the airport because I wanted to see what the airport was all about in the UK. I got a job uh, cleaning aircraft for Ogden Allied while I converted my um, uh, license. I had three and a half thousand hours, but I con- had to convert. Even though I had a 320 rating, I had to convert my license to the UK CAA um, license. That took about four to six months. I didn't have to mm. do much flight training because I had a lot of experience, but I had to pass the, the, all the ATPL exams again. And also, I had to survive, so I was working at the airport airside. Mm. Um, again, some more funny stories there because I never told anybody I was a pilot and what, why I knew the phonetic <laughs> alphabet so well. But I, um, I so you got to see the, the other side of the operation that uh, most pilots quite, haven't got a clue about. <laughs> no, no, it, it was fantastic. It was very humbling, and I still see cleaners on the aircraft now, and I get out of their way because they're doing important jobs. So it was a really, really good upbringing. Um, you know, during, during my time when I was unemployed. So again, like now, there's a lot of pilots unemployed. I got a lot of out, out of being unemployed. Like I said, it gives you humility you know, through through this career. So I, I did the, the cleaning aircraft. Um, as soon as I got my license converted, I got a job with Air Europe flying a um, Fokker 100. And that was a fantastic um, experience. Air Europe was a wonderful company. Um, however, it only lasted six months for me. So here I was unemployed once again um, in the UK with no jobs around. Um, I got a contract um, over in uh, with KLM for six months, just a short-term contract flying the Fokker 100 with them, an even shorter contract with Swiss Air flying the Fokker 100 after that. And I then picked up a job with um, Euro Cypria, again flying the A320, based at Larnica in Cyprus. Cool. So I did that, did that for two and a half years. That was wonderful. I lived yeah. in Larnica on the beach with my girlfriend in a penthouse apartment, and we nice. flew two – Two A320s all over Europe. We had 36 different destinations, and those aircraft were probably the busiest A320s in the world at the time. They were going back and forth to to Larnaca, bringing um, tourists in from all over Europe. And that was a really, really good experience. Um, A lot of flying hours um, and a great time for a young pilot to get some experience. Uh, That ended, and I went out to Sri Lanka. That was another contract, and that was the most interesting one. So flying... um, with Sri Lankan Airlines, it used to be called Air Lanka then, on a 320, and flying around uh, all over India, the Maldives, across to Bangkok. Um, and it was just great experience while I was trying to look for another job. Because obviously, these are all contract jobs. Hmm. And I'd always been interested in Virgin Atlantic in the UK from the time that I was there cleaning airplanes. And um, I'd, I'd applied to them before, and they'd always said to me, we only fly jumbo jets, and all you have is glass cockpit time. That's useless. I remember that word. You know, glass cockpit time is useless. We fly jumbo jets. And then I noticed in a, um, a Flight International magazine somebody had, again, remember this is pre-internet. So I, yeah. I got a Flight International magazine from a news agency in Sri Lanka, and there was a big article about how Virgin Atlantic was buying some A330, th- sorry, A340 300s from Northwest Airlines. So then I had to book a telephone call. Again, this is before mobile phones. I had to book a, a telephone call. I called the chief pilot, and I'll never forget the conversation. Um, it went something like, um, so who are you? And I said, you know, I had a much stronger Australian accent. And I said, I applied to you uh, many years ago, but um, you told me that glass cockpit time was useless. And But I, um, I see you're buying A340s. Oh, yes. I said, well, I've got lots of experience on the A320. Oh, well, you better come and see us then. Oh. And so with, with, within, a, within a week, I was in London. And the following week, I was in Miami. 
on uh, one of the first courses with Virgin Atlantic to fly the A340-300. And that was an amazing experience. I met Matt Br- Richard Branson while I was out there. Mm. And oh, uh, my career has just gone on from then. And uh, because I joined on the first A340-300, um, within a year, I was sitting in the left-hand seat of it at 30 years of age. So that was another amazing experience. So, yeah, I've had my highs and lows, and um, that was a, a real high moment, flying into Kai Tak Airport as a 30-year-old airline captain in a four-engine jet. Yeah, I and, can um, imagine. <laughs> well, I can't. And, and, uh, it must have been no, incredible. <laughs> it w- was incredible. So, and then after that, uh, we, could make, we could shorten it. But basically, I spent my 30s and my 40s flying around the uh, route network of Virgin Atlantic in a A340-300, which became an A340-600. Um, I became a training captain uh, very early on because uh, we were training and training and training. And uh, then when the A350 was introduced, obviously being a senior um, captain in the company and a training captain, I was asked to be part of the uh, entry and service team. And that meant um, being on one of the first courses down at Airbus. It also meant a- an amazing month uh, flying the A350 with Cathay Pacific as a guest of Cathay Pacific. Nice. And flying their aircraft and trying to remember when I did my PAs that I was um, a Cathay Pacific captain. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> And, and then uh, once that was, I came back, we sorted out the simulator, we started some training, and then we um, got our first aircraft, GV Lux, in August, which we took up to Glasgow and started some familiarization training and uh, training our pilots, captains and first officers onto that. Are you still awake? <laughs> We're still awake. No, that's incredible. I could listen to you all day, Chris. I mean, what a colourful yeah. history you have and just shows the determination you've had to get the role that you wanted. I think that's incredible. And, you know, to be flying an A340 at 30 years old in the captain's seat, you know, that that is just something that not many people can claim to have done. And, of course, the A340s are now retired from Virgin and replaced by, as you said, the, yes, right. the more modern twin jets. So how does the A340 compare to the a 350, which would be your favourite if you had to pick one? Okay, well, obviously, I've got uh, 25 years flying the A340, so the A340 is very, very dear to my heart. Like I said, you know, I'm, I'm 50, 60, 57, I keep forgetting. I'm 57 <laughs> year old. <laughs> hey, don't laugh, it'll come to you. Um, but I'm a 57 year old man, and I spent all of my 30s and all of my 40s, um, my my main part of my um, adult life, my career, flying an A340. So obviously the 340 is very, very dear to my heart. There's nothing like sitting there with four big Rolls-Royce engines and traveling to the other side of the world with a, <laughs> with a fun team of people. I mean, that's, that's part of the lifestyle of it as well. So the 340 will always be very dear to my heart. But I've been asked this many times, how do they compare? It's like saying, how would you compare a classic Porsche to a 2020 Porsche. Well, obviously, the 2020 Porsche is like the A350. It's got every single bell and whistle. It's um, super efficient, super fast, super powerful. It does everything better than the old one, but the old one's still a classic. So, yes, I, you know, it's a hard, hard one to say. Obviously, the 350 is the best. I love flying the 350. It's uh, the perfect airliner for today. And as we've seen with, with COVID-19, it's, um, it's really proven itself you know, with cargo carrying capacity, with the air quality on board the aircraft. So everything's good about it but the 340 will always be dear to my heart because it's my life. Yeah, you miss it, I expect, from the fleet. Um, Yes, I do, but I've had 25 years flying it and I've calculated over 18,000 hours flying A340s. I've I've done my time. (laughs) Nice to have something new and shiny to play with. That's lovely. (laughs) Mm. Of course, um, 2020 has been a historically tough year for everyone in aviation. Um, I mean, Virgin itself has had a choppy recovery with the refusal of a bailout from the UK government um, and its subsequent incredible 1.2 billion recapitalization. Um, but in among this, the airline, as you mentioned, we've been taking um, various cargo flights, repatriation, and um, are now back to scheduled flights, uh, which we know you've been a part of. 
Um, I know you've mentioned the term survivor's guilt before. Um, what has the COVID crisis looked like from the pilot's point of view? Well, when this first started, I remember I actually landed from Boston on March the 15th. Um, I live in the southwest of France, and I, w I really struggled to try and get a flight to get me home. Mm. I managed to get home on March the 16th, and then I sat at home and watched everything collapsing around me. Um, the airline started uh, cancelling flights, not just Virgin, but every airline was cancelling flights. And as a, as a pilot, I'm sitting at home thinking, wow, is, is this my retirement? I didn't expect this. And then you, you go up and down. You know, you just, We've always called it the roller coaster. So the first few days, you think, this is great, a few days off, this is lovely. And then you start thinking, actually, no, I've got to be serious here. This is my job. This is my career. Where is it mm. going? And after a month, you start thinking, I think we're going to be okay. And then the next day you wake up and think, we're not going to be okay. And then you just go. And again, it's, it's guys like yourself. People in the media are putting out as much information as they can get but we're um, interpreting it differently. So I'm mm. interpreting what I take from it and how it affects me personally. All of us are obviously on the telephone. How are you going, mate? And we're just, just keeping each other, you know, just calling each other and saying, how are you feeling? You know, everybody's in a different stage of their life. Like I said, I've been the 30-year-old pilot and I'm now the 57-year-old pilot. So people are at different stages of their life with, you know, young children or no children or, you know, retire, coming up to retirement. So we all kept in touch. And again, I think at that time we all thought, oh, this will be over in a couple of weeks. Mm. And then it became a couple of months. And then it became, you know, it'll be over by the summer. And then as we got into summer, and it just it progressed. And and like you said, this, this survivor's guilt was a real thing. So I spent the first 80 days at home in France because I physically couldn't get to the UK. Mm. And and I found myself try, thinking, what can I actually do? What can I do? Because I can't physically get to the UK. What can I do to help? And I had my Instagram account. Okay. And uh, my Instagram account, I set up when we went to um, Glasgow with the aircraft in the early days back in August. And it's quite a funny story. My young daughter was flicking through, 18-year-old daughter was flicking through her, her phone. I said, what are you doing? She said, I'm on the gram, dad. I went, the gram? What's the gram? That's how much I knew about it. And she went, Instagram, like gave me a silly look. And I went, what is it? And I looked and it was pictures of girls and handbags and clothes. I went, oh, well, that's, that's not for me. And she said, no, dad, it's, it's like everything. I went, what? And she just typed in Airbus. And I went, oh, it's pictures of aeroplanes. She said, why don't you stick some pictures of aeroplanes on there? And while I was up in Glasgow, I then started getting some photos of the cockpit and I started putting them on this Instagram thing that I knew nothing about. And she helped me with it and said, no, dad, that's a horrible photo and you need this and you need that. Mm. And you need to write a little story and explain to people what you do. So I had this Instagram thing going and by uh, um, Christmas, New Year time, I probably had about 1,500 followers um, who were looking at my pictures and mainly plane spotters, people who really, really enjoy airplanes and they knew a little bit about the A350 and, 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 and I enjoyed showing the pictures and I enjoyed showing their pictures and it was really, really good. And I was basically found myself um, inspiring and motivating young pilots. And that was a really nice thing. But when the COVID um, situation came along, I thought, hang on, I've now got about 3000 followers. I can actually do some good here. So with my son, um, he thought of the idea of, um, you know, the old toilet paper thing. People were panicked buying toilet paper. We all know about that. So we had this idea of an image of me holding up a cardboard sign, right, in my pilot's uniform, like an out-of-work pilot saying, please, please help me, and, and some toilet paper. Buy, buy airline tickets like you bought toilet paper. It just, yeah. <laughs> just seemed like a, fu a fun thing to do. Like It was a fun but a very serious message. And I thought if, if 3,000 people could see that, that would be great. You know, um, There's 3,000 people who are now having a bit of a – not laugh, but they're going, "Why? this is serious, but um, – we can all help by just going and buying an airline ticket and it'll help the industry. And that's how it was. But it um, turned out to be a lot more than 3,000, didn't it, Chris? Because it, it, uh, it, that post kind of shot you to fame, didn't it? What have you got now? Something like 12,000 Instagram followers? Um, you need to have a look. It's 52,000 today. Oh, and it's my going goodness. 
<laughs> and it's going up. At, it's going up at five hundred a day. And one of my reels, another thing I didn't know what was, uh, my one of my reels yesterday hit one million um, views. Good grief! So That's incredible. So yeah, let's go back to the survivor skill. So what have I been? So I'm a very senior captain in Virgin. So I knew all along that as long as Virgin continued to um, survive, my job would be there. I would have a job. Right. But it still doesn't make me feel any better because, like I said, I've been an aircraft cleaner. I've flown um, little aircraft all around the world and, and I've been unemployed um, four or five times during my career. And I know what that feels like. And it's not easy. And it's, it's even worse when you are maybe in your, your late 30s and 40s, when you've got young children and mortgages. And it's that point of life when you, you, get, you get the new car and then you, you get the bigger house and all those other things. And, and if you're sitting at home unemployed and, and maybe with a P45 in your hand, um, it's very, very difficult coming up to Christmas. So, um, during the year, I thought, right, how can I do this with my Instagram account? Because it was starting to blow up. So I thought, right, there's three things I can do. So I just like I have no interest. I have no um, interest. I have a lot of interest now, but I have no um, background in in media or marketing. But with the help of my or teenage adult children, I um, thought, right, I'm going to have three think three themes. So the first theme was promote Virgin Atlantic, promote Virgin Atlantic, promote Virgin Atlantic. So every one of my posts became about here's a Virgin Atlantic airplane, and we're still flying. Virgin had to make some terrible decisions to ground the, the four-engine fleets, and that means that everybody that flew those aircraft was grounded, right? And that's, you know, they're, they're my colleagues that are sitting at home through no fault of their own, um, and airlines airlines have seniority. So normally the, the junior guys go and the senior guys keep their job. But in this case, they just had to make quick decisions, and that meant grounding the four-engine jets, and the four-engine jet pilots weren't flying. And that was um, that was really, really tough. So... I thought, right, I've got to promote Virgin Atlantic, keep our airplanes flying, and we have an amazing cargo team that that, that did that job for us. Uh, my second one was to encourage people to buy tickets, which is the buy airline tickets like you bought toilet paper. And I kept that theme and that hashtag going, and that grew and grew and grew. But the most important one for me uh, is to support my colleagues. And so by putting pictures of me walking through the airport, putting pictures of me arriving in New York, putting a short video of a takeoff somewhere – was saying to my colleagues sitting at home, hey, we're going to survive this. We're going to get through this because nobody actually realized or thought we really would at one stage. I mean, I remember some moments in July and August when the uh, recapitalization was was touch and go and there was some terrible media um, about um, air, the airlines or all airlines, not Virgin Atlantic, but all the airlines. And uh, we still weren't sure if we'd, we'd have jobs at the end of this year. I just kept pushing Virgin Atlantic, encouraging people to buy tickets and showing showing everybody we are still flying. We are still flying. Look, we've done another cargo run today. We've done another um, trip here. and We've done another trip. Now we're going to Brussels. Now we're going. So I've used Instagram to actually promote those three themes. And, and, and it's a way of me dealing with my survivor's guilt because it is a real thing. It's horrible to know that your job's safe when there's so many of your colleagues sitting at home wondering how they're going to, you know, how they're going to enjoy their Christmas this Christmas. Yeah, it's tough times, definitely. And we actually had a lot of questions in from young aspiring pilots kind of asking things along those lines. When do you think there will be jobs again? What, you know, what should they be doing? Should people still be entering training at this stage? You know, and uh, I think there's a real sense of uncertainty around the industry at the moment. So, um, I mean, if you had a message to give to maybe a, a young aspiring pilot, what would you say to them right now? 
Um, I say it to all of them. I get so many DMs from that, that exact same person you're talking about, Joanna. Um, lots of young people thinking about a career in aviation. I would say go for it. Absolutely go for it, 100%. The reason I say that is every time we've had a downturn in the industry, and we've um, I've been here with two Gulf Wars, 9-11, um, the uh, credit crunch, volcanic ash, all of those things. <laughs> None of them were as big as this, but every single time after those events, the industry bounced back. And you guys are in the media and you're seeing it right now. The industry is bouncing back and it's going to, yeah. I think it's going to bounce back just as much as it has in the past. Okay, It may be slower because this was slow coming in. It'll be slow coming out again. But when I say slow, I would say within two years, we'll be back to where we were. The, the main difference is, this is for the young people, I'm certain of this, the guys in my age group, the 55 to 65-year-old age group, a lot of them are quite financially secure. They've had nine months at home and a lot of them will think, hang on, the mortgage is paid off. I've got money in my pension. My kids have grown up and left home. Do I really want to go back to all that? So you'll find there'll be a lot of guys in that age group who will think, I've, I've had enough. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it for some young guy. There'll also be a lot of um, people in between who are really struggling and they might have found alternative um, work. And so they may not come back. And also there's some people that aren't listening to this who um, will probably think, well, that's it. I'm going to give up a career in aviation. I've only done 50 hours, but I'll do something else. So I think there is actually going to be a, a large shortage of airline pilots. This is just my view, but I've been in the industry for 39 years. I've seen this. But I would say if, I was, if it was my own son wanted to become pilot or daughter, I would say go for it. I think it's a really good time because I think within two years when you'll be qualified, there'll be a, a big shortage of pilots again and everybody will move up the, the ladder. That's um, really good to hear, um, especially – um, given some of the really negative things that we've seen on that topic. Um, but I thought sort of to cheer things up a bit, um, we took to our own social media, as Joe mentioned, and we did ask our readers to share questions they'd like answers to. Um, so we thought we'd give you some quickfire questions that you haven't seen in advance. Um, so are you ready? Oh, this will be fun. Not really, but go ahead. <laughs> so I think you've probably answered a few of these already, hmm. but let's just go for it. So Airbus or Boeing? What do you think? <laughs> uh, all right, here's the fact. I've never flown a Boeing, so I shouldn't really comment. But with, um, I think, 18,000 hours on Airbuses, I'll stick with Airbus. Mm. Cool. And what's your favorite aircraft, if you picked anything, uh, not just the ones you've flown? Okay. Again, it's another Airbus, the Concorde. You know, I think it's every Ooh. pilot's dream, mm. the Concorde. If, if I had the opportunity to fly the Concorde, that would have been it. Mm. What's your favorite moment in time during a flight? during the process of, of flying? That's a great question. Um, everybody <laughs> asked me the question, what's, what is your favorite takeoff or landing? Um, for me, takeoff is always fantastic because I'm going somewhere. It's a really nice feeling going somewhere, especially mm. as a long haul pilot, you know you're going to the other side of the world, right? But as a, also as a pilot, the favorite is landing because it's a landing where you get to sh show off, I suppose, to, to hone those <laughs> skills and come in and, and try the greasiest landing and look across at the other guy and go, hey, how about that, right? <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the next one is, have you ever been in an emergency situation? Yeah, this is one of those questions that comes up. I wouldn't say emergency. As, a, as an instructor, I spend so much time of, in, of my life creating emergency situations for the students to, to handle in front of the aircraft. So I see many, many emergency situations. So when incidents happen on board the airplane, and, and things happen all the time, people go, oh, my God, things happen. Small things happen, like a fuel pump might stop, but we have got two or three fuel pumps. So when things like that happen, they're quite minor. And so it's a really hard one to answer. When I've had emergency situations as a simulator, obviously I get through it, we handle it, we have a, a, a way of um, working through a process that we work through to, um, to manage those failures. But when things happen online, we use the same model, but they're always minor things like a, 
uh, fuel pump failure or um, one of the, the two radios doesn't work or something like that. So no, no, nothing, nothing major. That's cool. a good sign, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what was your craziest and weirdest flight ever? Craziest and weirdest flight? <laughs> Um, flying dead people is pretty crazy, isn't it? When you're um, <laughs> yeah. when, when you're a 19 year old boy, and you're in a Beechcraft Baron 58, and there's a dead body in the back of the airplane, and you're going, "Hello, hello, hello." It's a bit, it's a bit unnerving, but you're doing anything to get those twin hours. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so, what would you say is your favourite route to fly? Obviously, you said you've been over um, the whole of Virgin's network and even further afield before being with Virgin. So, you've got to have one that stands out from all the rest. Absolutely. We had a trip a few years back. That um, was the um, Hong Kong Sydney. And being an Australian, if you haven't picked up my accent yet, being an Australian, <laughs> um, there was nothing better than taking off out of London, heading all the way to Hong Kong, have a couple of nights in Hong Kong with with a fantastic crew. And then head down to Sydney for another 36 hours in, in my home country. And I used to show the crew around and then flying back to Hong Kong. It was a nine-day trip and it was just an amazing trip to be captain of an airliner with, with 12 or 15 crew. And just it's just an amazing experience every single time I did it. So if that's your favourite route, which is your favourite airport to either approach or take off from? Again, every pilot who's ever done it is the Kitek approach. I know it doesn't exist anymore. It exists in simulators still. But um, <laughs> flying into Kitek Airport was something very, very special indeed. It's in fact, it's the only airport that I know that I've flown into 75 times. And out of those 75 times, I did 25 of the landings because obviously we have um, multiple crews on board the aircraft. But yeah, Kitek Airport's my favourite. What was the other question? Take off from? Yeah, or land. Well, you've done land. Is there another, yeah, a different one for taking off from? Um, the same airport, take off at <laughs> Kitek. I, I, don't, I don't know how we managed it, but every single time we used every single bit of that runway. There was oh, none Oh, my spare. goodness. <laughs> That's a bit hair-raising. Yeah. Wow. And, and my question was going to be, what's your favourite airport? But I feel you've answered that one as well. Yeah. yeah well, <laughs> Kitek was my favourite airport. I was thinking while you said that, what's my favourite now? Mm. Um, I still think flying into Sydney as an Australian, when you're going back to your home country, I think anybody would say that, you know, a... Um, you know, a pilot from Italy would say flying into Rome and a, a yeah. British pilot would say flying into London. But having said that, I've become a London pilot. I'm based at London. I've been based there for 27 years now. So, yeah, actually, I've just changed my mind. I think one of the, the nicest things is coming into London either at dusk or dawn. So you've got a bit of a, a sunrise or a sunset and you've got the lights of the city and the Thames. It is absolutely oh, beautiful. I know exactly what you mean. I, I think, you know, anyone that's been away from London for a while, when you're coming in and you see that bend of the Thames, it absolutely. is just like coming home every time, isn't it? Beautiful. So you've worked absolutely. for Virgin for a long time. What's the best bit of working for, for Virgin as an airline? The, pe the people. It's always the people. I've worked for many airlines. I, I loved flying for Ansett Airlines, but it was just an airline. I loved flying for... Um, uh, the, the other one that was like like Virgin was um, Air Europe. Air Europe was a great airline, but I only had six months. But it was it was a real people airline. Everybody, you know, got on well. It was a bit of fun. And and I think a lot of people who did originally work for Air Europe, like myself, are now working for Virgin or other airlines. So um, Virgin definitely because of the people. That's it, the people. Okay. And um, pilots um, obviously spend a long time um, away traveling. I mean, you right now are in New York living in France. Um do you have enough time for your family? Oh, you'd have to ask them that question. But <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, people ask me this question all the time. They think, "Oh, you're always you're always away. You're never at home." As a long haul pilot, you'll do four to five long haul trips a month. So let, let's let's take the worst case scenario: five trips 
of three days, that's 15 days you're away from home. So on the other 15 days, you're at home, technically on paper. Um, yes, I may be grumpy on those 15 days because I'm jet lagged, but there's 15 days at home. So that's but it's also 15 days that I'm away not being grumpy. How's that? <laughs> that's interesting because the next question was, how do you deal with all the jet lag? Um, the first way to deal with jet lag, and I tell people all the time, never, ever, ever wear a watch. So if you're going on a long-haul trip or as a long-haul trip, don't wear your watch because you'll land in San Francisco and you'll go, oh, my God, it's three in the morning. It's not <laughs> six in the evening, but you'll look at your watch and, 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 and go, oh, I'm, I should be tired, right? Yeah. If you land in San Francisco and it's six in the evening, go out for a meal, go and have a drink, you know, and, and try and, don't try and get on San Francisco time. Don't consciously do any of that. And, and if at 8 p.m. in San Francisco you feel tired, go to bed. If you wake up at 3 a.m. and you feel like breakfast, have some breakfast. Don't think, oh, it's midday at, at home. You just, I never wear a watch. I still don't wear a watch. Top tip there. <laughs> and obviously on your uh, long haul flights, um, you'll spend a lot of time uh, in the cruise. Um, so what do you do in the cruise? Are you allowed to play on your phone? No, no, no. Um, yeah, can, I can imagine doing Candy Crush. No, definitely not. Um, there's, there's, there's always something to do. And remember, you're sitting next to a like-minded individual, so you've mm -hmm. always got something to talk about. And again, with a, a large long-haul airline like Virgin Atlantic, I might be flying with somebody I saw last week, but it might be somebody I've never flown with before. And so you get to know that person, and mm -hmm. you ask them about their family. And, and the time goes pretty quickly, and the cabin crew come up. And I know we're all wearing our masks now, and it's a bit odd. But you can still have a conversation. You can still have, you know, find out about that person. And, and that's in between radio calls and that's in between um, going into different countries and sending off um, messages. And, yeah, so it goes pretty quickly. I mean, it was a seven-hour flight yesterday. It, to me, I've been doing this for many years, it probably seemed like an hour or two. Mm. Yeah, long-haul flights are never long enough for me. <laughs> There's always another film I wanted <laughs> well, to watch. it depends watch. if you're in economy or first class, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, particularly yeah, in Virgin I, Upper, yeah. right? I'd stay there all, all the rest of my life, oh, I yeah. think. <laughs> so, so many people say to me, they say, oh, I'm going to travel upper class with Virgin next month. What, 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 what do you recommend? I say, well, I'll just tell you this now, that once you board an aeroplane and turn left instead of right, you'll never want to turn right again, no. especially with Virgin Atlantic. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. So interesting you mentioned the radio there because one of our readers wanted to know, are you allowed to crack jokes or flirt with air traffic control? Um, you can always have a bit of fun. You know, you just say, thanks, how are you going? I, I wouldn't say flirting. But, um, <laughs> but also because of my um, Instagram celebrity, it's so funny, I regularly go to LA and um, as we call in for pushback, I'll get this Hello, is that Captain Chris? Yes, it is. Hello, how are you? Oh, hello, my name is whatever. I follow you. Oh, oh great. That's, that's amazing. And I've even had text messages through the CPDLC message from air traffic controllers. So it's, it's quite fun. So, oh, yeah, we do, we're, we're all human beings and we're all dealing with COVID-19 the way we can. And I think the best way to deal with it is um, through humanity, by respecting each other and, and the fact that we're all working for one aim, and that's to try and get the, the world moving again. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, the next question I've got is, do you ever get bored of flying or is it always fun? Um, if I got bored of flying, I wouldn't be talking to you now. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I, I haven't got bored of flying yet. And I, and I say to all my colleagues, if you get bored of flying, just stop doing it. Mm. I never get bored. I love it. I love going to work. And I'm like I said, I'm 57 years old. I've been with Virgin for 27 years. And every single takeoff, you can ask the guy I'm flying with today. I turn around to that guy as soon as we get the wheels up and I look at him and I say, imagine if you could get paid to do this. <laughs> so I still love it every day. Oh, best job in the world, I'm sure. My my son's an aspiring pilot, so uh, I'm I'm going to play this back to him as soon as we finish because he's going to love your words. So, is there anything that you don't like about flying? What's the hardest part of the job? Good question, again. Um, 
being away from my family is, is obviously the hardest part. But like I said, I get enough time with them as well. So it's like I'm, I'm, I'm away for a long time, but I'm home for a long time. And that's so that's the hardest part is being away from family. And, and the other part is, um, like I just said, the other the jet lag thing, you never, never know when it's going to hit you. Mm. OK, so I might be home and my wife said, oh, we're going out to see our daughter dancing tonight. And I'll be sitting in the, the dance and I'll just nod off. <laughs> It'll be like four in the hour, five in the afternoon. And so that's that's a bad thing. Is And also you you, you go, then have to go out for dinner and you think, oh, I just can't do this. And it's like 8 p.m. and they're wide awake and you're sitting there going, I really can't do this. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the, the, the jet lag moments. They just come. Right. Yeah. And the other one is, again, being away from family. So a couple of things. That's about it. But the, make the other the other parts would make up for it. The fact that I can take my family on holidays of, around the world. Yeah, yeah, it's not a very long list of things to dislike, no. is it? <laughs> no, no. Okay, so um, last one from me before Joe. Um, what goes through your mind when landing? Oh, what goes through? That's a really weird question. Not weird, but it's an interesting <laughs> question. I, yeah, you say, yeah. Um, what goes through my mind? Um, I'm not really thinking. I'm using skills that I've, I've honed over 39 years. So mm. I'm I'm looking at the runway. I'm looking at the instruments. I'm yeah, you know, I'm, I'm using all that experience to to gauge and to judge where I need to put this aircraft and where I need to be coming off the runway. So I'm not really – it's a really interesting subject. I'm not really thinking, but I'm thinking at 100 miles an hour. So yeah, I, ca- I can't really answer that. It just happens. You know, after 39 yeah. years, it just happens. It's, con- it's just sheer concentration. Mm. Amazing, yeah. So just to finish off the quickfire round, tell us one thing about your job that most people wouldn't know. One thing about my job that most people wouldn't know, that I don't wear a watch. They probably think airline pilots always have to be exactly on time. I'm always on time, but I've never worn a watch. Still uh, don't wear one now. That, so that's, that's one thing interesting. you don't know about me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, that was really fun. Thank you for answering those questions. I'm sure mm. our readers will be delighted to uh, hear and your listeners. responses. Uh, and listeners, of course, <laughs> yes. yes um, so let's wrap the podcast up on a positive note. So as we're moving from 2020 into 2021, what hope is there for aviation in the new year? What are your predictions for next year and beyond? And what reasons are there for you to be happy right now? I'm happy because um, people are coming back to work. Every single day I go to work, it's to train a new pilot at Virgin Atlantic back from furlough. And uh, it's wonderful to see these, these, especially the younger guys coming back from furlough, the guys that, are, like I said, the guys that have got the big house and the big mortgage and two young kids, I'm now training those guys back. So they're coming back every single trip. Um, I'm in the simulator training them or I'm training them on, on board the aircraft to, to, get, to get their skills back. And uh, they're coming back at a great rate now. We've got uh, three new A350s ready to start flying, but we need to train up the pilots. Um, Virgin Atlantic had a Black Friday sale a couple of weeks mm. ago, and the sale was three times what the experts predicted. And these wow. people were yeah, three times. So Virgin have said, well, we really need to put some more flights on. So it's it's all gearing up. I think with the vaccines now available, I would my prediction, I haven't heard this from anybody, my prediction is that you'll find that most of the, eventually, most of the airline crews will be vaccinated, again, to give um, a, a, a sense of well-being and, and safety to our passengers, to remind them that, yes, our crews have, have been vaccinated and they will fly you safely where you need to go. And flying has never been safer right now. The, the cabins on the, these modern aircraft are unbelievably safe. I feel a much safer being on board a, an A350 or a 787 than I do by being in the supermarket these days. So... 
Um, my prediction is airline travel will come back. People need to travel. We all travel because we have family, friends, and business. The business travel has stopped, and, and we have things like the Zoom meetings. But Zoom meetings, you can't meet people. You, you no. need to meet people. You need to go out for dinner with them. You need to go and play golf with them. You need to meet their families, and that will still have to happen. And all of us have families all around the world and friends all around the world, and we want to see them. We've missed them this year, and we want to go and see them. My, actual, my wife and daughter were stuck in Melbourne since January. They've only got back to France last month. Oh, so people need to travel. a long time, yeah. Long time. Long time. I, I think we completely agree with you. There's a lot of pent-up demand and we'll be glad when everything gets back to normal. So, Chris, Captain Chris, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for your time. And uh, we hope that we can speak to you again in the future. I would love that. Absolutely love it. Brilliant. Thank you very much. No problem. That's it for today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and welcome any feedback at podcast at simpleflying.com. For more great content, you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying. If you enjoyed our podcast, please leave us a rating on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.